When someone expects you to know something that you don't know, it can be really frustrating. Luckily, God does not leave us to figure things out on our own. In this series, called Basic, we're talking about the foundational principles of being a follower of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Does anybody here go to the gym regularly? Anybody? I don't, nobody? <laughs> I would like to. That's a good answer. I have tried. I tried uh, cardio. I would go like early, early in the morning before people were there. I hate going where pe- places people are. So like, if you're telling me to work out where, like a bunch around, around a bunch of people at a gym everyone goes to, I'm out already. So I went up super, super early and I would do cardio a couple times a week for a couple weeks. In college, I went a couple months. But I, they say like after you work out for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I don't know, they say different numbers all the time, that your brain starts to release endorphins, which is the thing your brain does when it's enjoying something. So it's like you're supposed to enjoy exercise. I found that to be fake news. In my, in my experience, that is just not a thing. And if that happens to you and you're like 10 minutes into your run and you're like, okay, I get it. I love running. More power to you. Congratulations. My brain does not do that. Um, I tried weightlifting. Um, not much better. Uh, um, I don't know if it was worse, but it wasn't much better. So the gym has just not been for me, um, as you may be able to tell. Um, I am just, I'll try again, I'm sure, at some point in my life, but I, it probably won't stick again. But um, it is a good thing. So if you are one of those people that go to the gym regularly, congratulations. Thank you for like, maintaining the average health of the human race, because I am not pulling my weight in that <laughs> regard. So thank you for doing that. Um, what I think is cool about going to the gym, a lot of people that go to the gym say that when they, like, when they exude the discipline it takes to go to the gym four or five times a week, they see that discipline spill over into other parts of their life. So they find that if they are going to the gym regularly, they are also going to not eat junk food. They're also going to be less tempted to eat badly. They're also going to do household chores regularly. They're going to be disciplined (laughs) around their life in a a more general sense, not just that. Uh, Today we're talking about one of those types of disciplines, uh, and that's spiritual disciplines. And that's what we're talking about today. And that may be one where people that go to the gym, they find that their spiritual disciplines fall in line. Tonight we're continuing our series called Basic. And basic is not necessarily what you may have heard this word to mean, but we're talking about the foundation, the, the, the basics, the foundational principles of what it means to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, to be someone who models their life after Jesus and makes God a part of their life. Um, basic. So the first week we talked about worship. We talked about learning worship and how, to, how we are on this journey about learning what worship is. Three questions, why we worship, when we worship, how we worship. And we talked about that. He deserves it all the time and in spirit and in truth. Uh, if you have any questions, I'd love to talk to you about that. Last week, like I mentioned, we talked about money and we talked about why God wants it. Um, he, we talked about the portion 10% by being the tithe and then um, more than that in the plus section. We talked about the place being the store, the storehouse and the purpose in that all of our things are God's. Ultimately, everything we have has been given in us to by Jesus, by God, and we are stewards of our resources. And so it's ultimately all his anyway. So he just asks for a portion back to do his work. And so that's why we get to be a part of what God's doing through our giving, extend our worship in the form of giving. So tonight, basic discipline. Now, this one's a little more difficult. In my experience, maybe that's not the case for you. Um, Tonight, we're talking about what it means to have a deep and daily relationship with God. 
a deep, and that's something I pray for myself every day. I have a relationship that's, I have a relationship with God that's deep and daily and daily deepens. I say that every day because it's not always true, <laughs> but I want it to be true. It's a, a true, it's a goal of mine to have a deep and daily relationship with Jesus that's daily deepening. Um, and the, the spiritual disciplines are things that we do as Christ followers to get closer to Jesus, to facilitate apex moments, these encounters with God that we talk about. Um, and, and we take this quote, when we talk about the idea of apex, a lot this quote comes up. Mountaintop experiences often emerge from the regular spiritual disciplines of our lives. Don't expect God to show up in your life in dramatic ways if you don't show up before him in faithful consistent ways. So we have an apex moment when God shows up in a powerful, new, big way. We have an apex moment when we show up to God in faithful, consistent ways. Every time you pray, you're having an apex moment. Every time you read your Bible, you are communing with the creator of the universe. That's a big deal. The, the disciplines are those faithful, consistent ways. So we're going to talk about four spiritual disciplines. There are more uh, and there are less. Depending on who you talk to, this is not a you know, dogmatic list. This is definitely the only four things that matter, but it's a list that I've curated for tonight's uh, conversation. So the four things we're talking about are prayer, reading the Bible, friendships, and evangelism. Prayer, Bible reading, friendships, evangelism. And uh, the first two, the prayer and reading the Bible, we, we say 10 and 10. That's the language we use. So 10 minutes every day reading the Bible, some sort of devotional, consuming, processing God's word in some way, 10 minutes every day. And 10 minutes every day praying in some way, praying to God. So um, this, it can be challenging to get into a habit. I encourage you not, I'm going to talk a bunch about not feeling guilty, but um, we are talking about progress, not perfection. So if you spend a day where you're like, oh, I forgot to pray yesterday. I need you to be okay. <laughs> I need you to say like, if I get four or five days out of the week, I'm doing all right. And, and we're looking at progress, not perfection. So if I did better than I did last month, that's the goal. Not necessarily, oh, I, I'm horrible and I did a terrible job. If I did better than I did last month, then I'm winning. If I did worse than I did last month, Maybe I'm not making ground, but I've noticed that, and now that I can make ground, I can make that decision to take some ground in that area. So the prayer, Bible reading, and the, the other two are about relationships because it's foolish to think that you can just live on an island alone. You know, that's just not how our world works. Everything happens in relationships. So we talk about Christian friendships as well as evangelism and how we should interact with people who are not. So those are the four things that we are talking about. We're going to look first, uh, each of these one at a time. First, we're going to talk about prayer. Communication is key in any relationship. Um, I've heard prayer preached about a bunch of times, and this comes up every single time. <laughs> when my communication with my wife is very important to the health of that relationship. And that is true with God as well. When we are communicating with God, when we are praying regularly, our relationship with God is going to be a little more healthy. A man named Paul right, wrote a letter to churches in Philippi, to Christ followers in the city of Philippi. And he said this, do not be anxious about anything. It was almost like he was writing to 2019 teenagers. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I just heard today a quote from Rick Warren, a pastor in California, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the quote, but I'll get the pretty part because so, so, that's what I remember. Um, the more you pray, the less you panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. And what I and my gut says, wait. I, I can't say I'll have anxiety. You gotta pray more. You gotta read the Bible more. And that is true. That cannot be a catch-all. But before you before you think before you diagnose yourself with an anxiety disorder, 
pray some. I'm not saying that prayer is going to be your answer and it's going to make all your panic and depression go away because it almost always doesn't. But pray and worship because God cares about those things. When you take them to him, he cares about those things. He cares about your anxieties. He cares about what you're worried about, what you're sad about. Bring them to him. Super, super important. That's not what we're talking about tonight, but uh, somebody needed to hear it. Pray Bring your anxieties to God. Do not be anxious about anything but with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. I think that's really important to, to counteract anxiety with gratitude, thanksgiving. You say, I'm worried about all these things, sure, but what am I thankful for? Paul says, this is a prescription for panic. What are you thankful for? I think that's super interesting. I want you to try that. Uh, he wrote another letter to another church in a different city, and he said, rejoice, rejoice always. <laughs> rejoice, Yes. <laughs> He said, rejoice. <laughs> rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love it. He puts worship, prayer, and gratitude right next to each other. He, like, he gives a couple of them their whole verse to themselves. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. A little Bible study. He did not put those numbers there. Just so you know, Paul did not put the numbers in the Bible. We did that later, but just an aside because I may have led you to believe something else accidentally. Rejoice always. Pray. Uh, I, there's another version that says pray without ceasing. I think that sounds a little more spiritual. I like it. Pray without ceasing. Um, and there's a, there's, some tips. I want to give you some tips about prayer. And these are some practical things. This is the heart of prayer, why we need to pray. God cares about that. Here's some tips. One of them, replace idle thoughts with prayer. This, when it says pray continually, like I got into a really good habit of when I was in college, walking from class to class. You can do this in your high school or middle school or wherever you are, or uh, from your kitchen to your bedroom if you're homeschooled. That's fine too. <laughs> I found that as I was walking from class to class, I would pray in those times. And I spent a lot of time walking from place to place because, you know, we're, my dorm's here, the cafeteria is here, the classes are here. So I'm, work is over here. I'm walking all day. Um, so I would rack up a lot of minutes by when I felt my wa mind wandering as I walked, I just said, this is not how I'm going to spend this time. I'm going to focus on Jesus. That's a tip. Uh, another tip, uh, start small. Just start praying. Don't, need, don't think like you need to spend an hour in prayer when you get home tonight because you're feeling convicted. Don't do that. Um, Maybe pray 10 minutes tonight. Maybe, maybe pray five minutes tonight. And you're like, tomorrow I'm going to get in the full 10. The next day I'm going to get in the full 10. Maybe in a couple months I might hit 15 or I might hit 10 in the morning and 10 at night. Start small, but you need to start. Start. Maybe tonight all you do is say, God, thank you for a great day. Help me with my stuff. Amen. That is a wonderful prayer. I know one of my professors in college always prayed stuff like that. He said, God, thank you. Help me. Amen. <laughs> Just start. Pray. It's a relationship thing. All right, be yourself. Be genuine in your prayer. Um, you don't need to impress anyone. I, prayer has become like an out, outside thing, it, especially like if you go to church. Prayer is something that you do in front of people. Um, can I encourage you that for, for the time I spend praying in front of people, I'm praying privately way more. And, and, and every, I won't say every because some pastors don't always get this right, but the pastors that you know probably pray way more in private than they're praying into a microphone. So remember that. Be, be yourself. You don't need to pray to impress anyone. If you're asked to pray in a small group setting or uh, over like a youth group or over a friend with a friend, you don't need to worry about praying in front of people. You're talking to Jesus. Be genuine. You don't have to impress people. <clears throat> and praying out loud also is just another 
tip. Like praying out loud helps you get comfortable with prayer and it can take you, take you steps closer to your relationship, in your relationship with God by praying out loud. Something that's helped me is a schedule um, or, or like patterning my prayer. So um, some people will say I pray from close to far. So I'll pray for the stuff going on in me first, then my family, then my friends, then the country, then the world. I pray outward. That's just one way to uh, kind of pattern your prayer. There was a time in my life where I would assign different days of the week to different things that I was praying for. So on Mondays, I would pray especially for stuff going on at school. Uh, on Fridays, I would pray especially for friends. On, on Thursdays, I would pray for or, uh, certain extracurricular activities, stuff like that. So assign a day and pray for things. Um, that way. The, the way that I'm currently praying is with an acronym, PRAY, which is real easy to remember. It's awesome. P-R-A-Y. And so I praise, repent, ask, yield. So every day I thank God, praise. Then I repent. So every day I'm taking a list of how did I, how did I mess up yesterday? How can I be better? And then I say, ask. And then I say, what is going on in my life and the people around me's lives? Um, and how can I pray for them? And then I yield because I have a really big temptation to try to do things in my own power, even after I pray. I'll be like, all right, thank you for taking care of this. Amen. And then I just still try to take care of it. So every day I pray, God, I can't do this on my own. Help me pray. Um, get a prayer closet. Um, so this is a term you're going to maybe read in the Bible here in the church. Um, and, and so maybe you need to Pray out loud. Maybe you need to pray in front of people to kind of take some steps. Maybe you need to pray in private and take some steps toward Jesus in a private place where no one can hear you. You can pray out loud and not be bothered. Uh, that may be what you need. Um, a schedule, like I said, when I said pattern, another idea there is a, a time of day, a particular time of day um, that you pray. Maybe it's before bed. Maybe it's right when you get up. Maybe it's on your bus ride. Maybe as you're walking from a certain class to a certain class or all of them, um, a, a, an appointment time that you keep consistency is really, really big here. And that's, again, this is just a discipline. Getting disciplined and scheduling this stuff is super important. Um, think quality over quantity. So if I spend two hours in prayer when I am spending 115 minutes thinking about what's for lunch, that was a big quantity of time, but it was not much prayer going on there. It was five minutes or so. So think quality over quantity. So don't try, you're not impressing anybody with your prayer streak. Um, but focus on Jesus. Quality prayer, where you're actually talking to God, actually listening to God is important. Sometimes journaling helps people. Write down your prayers. Journal about what God's speaking to you. Um, I heard a pastor say he's a five-year journal that he bought. I think you can get it on Amazon. And uh, every day of the of the year is a little journal space. And then when you get to the end of the year, you go back and you start over and you journal in it again for five years and you can see what you've been praying for in the, that day of the year for five years. A really cool thing. Um, another way is to keep your hands busy. Maybe you're an artist. You like to doodle and pray at the same time. Maybe you like to knit and pray at the same time. Maybe while you're on the treadmill, you're praying at the same time. Um, that may help you. There's a, a pray through the scripture there are a lot of scriptures you can pray, especially turn to Psalms. Most Psalms you can read as a prayer uh, of gratitude, of thanksgiving to God. Sometimes you can put your own name into scriptures um, and, and kind of proclaim that kind of stuff over your own life. And the last tip I would say is to pray with other people. Don't do this alone. We're going to get to Christian friendships, but make sure that you're praying with somebody. Maybe it's only people here and uh, you need to work on doing this more, but I encourage you to take a step and pray with other people. Prayer is so important. It's an important part of your relationship with God, um, but he doesn't want you to feel guilty about it. I said this was coming. There's a difference between 
guilt and conviction. That's the language I use. That's not actual terms. But the way I use the word guilt is when I feel guilty about something, it's, it's, it shouldn't be there. When I feel guilty about something, I am like entrenched in the thing. And all I can think about is still not doing the thing, right? When I feel guilty, I just feel bad about doing it. When I feel conviction, I believe the conviction comes from God. And there are times in my life where I'm convicted of doing something. And when I'm convicted, I'm motivated to change it. So I, the way I use the word guilt, guilt does not come from God. Guilt keeps me in my wrong. Conviction motivates me to change it. So that's kind of learn that distinction and learn your feelings so that you can know if this is guilt, it's not right. If it's conviction and it's leading you to change something, then that's maybe from God and you need to add a habit to your life, whatever it is. But what I want you to do is don't feel guilty about not reading the Bible. I hope you're convicted, but don't feel guilty. Tonight, you have an opportunity to fix it, to get better, to work towards um, spiritual discipline. So you can do that. Prayer is super important. So now we're going to transition from prayer into Bible reading. So uh, again, communication is key in any relationship. And a lot of people see prayer as when I talk to God. And I think there's definitely an element of where God talks to you in a prayer time as well. But on the surface, prayer is when I talk to God. And when God talks to me is through his written word. We believe that God inspired a bunch of different authors to write a bunch of books. And so we have this one book that we compiled called the Bible. And we believe those are words that were originally from God. They, and that we, that's why they're so important to us because <laughs> we believe they're from God. Um, I looked around, I couldn't find who said this quote originally. Google it if you'd like to see if you can find it. But they said, don't, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. Don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. A lot of people will, will say, I'm praying, I'm trying to talk to God, but he's not saying anything back. He wrote you a whole book. Open it up. <laughs> Don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. Second Timothy, uh, this is another letter in, in the, the Bible. This is another letter in there, and it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It's breathed out by God. That's, it's a really like poetic way to put it. Um, but that just means that those, the scripture, the Bible that we have was originally God's words. And that's why we take it seriously. Seriously. It's useful for our lives. It brings us into this next verse. And this is an Old Testament verse um, from the book of Joshua. And it said this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is a, like, causation situation. You make this book, you make this law a part of your life, you will be prosper. You will have a good life because you followed it. A lot of people see the Bible as a rule book. And, and I can see the temptation to live that way, but I see it as an instruction manual, not a rule book. This is not a list of rules that God wanted to impose on people just because he likes to boss people around. I see the Bible as an instruction manual that teaches you how to live well. The word blessed we say in the church a lot, I've said this before, it, it literally means happy. This is how you get a happy, prosperous, better life by living the instruction manual that God has given you. It's not a rule book because he likes to make rules. And it's an instruction manual because he loves you and is trying to show you the path to a blessed life. Here are some tips for Bible reading. Get a devotional. You can, there's lots of uh, websites. 
on the internet. Give it a goog and look for some sort. Um, she Reads Truth was one Sam said to me that's particularly aimed at women. There are a lot of, all over the internet you can find stuff. There's a He Reads Truth as well for, for the men. Um, you could probably do both, I don't care. Um, there are some like that, you, I, I think this one may, may be one of those where you can get an email every day. Is that one of those? I don't know. I haven't done those ones in particular. But there are some that you can get an email every day, and uh, that's your devotion. A lot of people do that. There are books you can get. I have some that I could recommend that are devotionals where maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year of devotionals that you can go through in a book. Uh, another tip is to listen to something. You don't have to just read. Um, most Bible apps will read the Bible to you. Friendly robots live in your phone, and they will talk the Bible to you. It's super, super helpful. Um, Alexa will do that. I found the Alexa in the Bible app, so you can use that. Um, podcasts are huge for me. Um, you can learn a lot of Bible stuff from podcasts. There are sermons. I, could, I would love to recommend these things to you. Talk to me after. Um, there are Bible studies and sermons from other churches, along with ours, that you can check out, uh, and, and I use those often. Those aren't the only ways that I consume the Bible, but I do a lot of podcasts and sermons and stuff like that. Some pra really practical, nitty-gritty things. When you're reading the Bible, read slowly and with a pen. Read slowly and with a pen. Don't, I, I don't know why, but for some reason I was brought up, I don't know that anyone told me this, but it felt weird to write in the Bible. Like it felt like a holy book I shouldn't touch. But then I saw like people I respected that actually knew the Bible and their Bible was destroyed because they were constantly in it, right? And there's highlights and there are, pen markings and, and stuff like that. And, and I know that that kind of stuff is kind of being lost in our digital age. Um, but I encourage you, like, the way I think about it is I would love for my great-grandchild to find Pappy's Bible, you know, <laughs> with, with highlighters in it and, and things underlined. And uh, so check it out. That might work for you. And that's why I'm giving you a bunch of different ways because Maybe only one or two of them will work. This is another one where journal, uh, a journal can help. A journal with your prayer, what you're reading, how it's impacted you. Um, there's a thing called SOAP. You may have heard scripture, observation, application, prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. So you look at your scripture, you observe what do you see in there, what's happening in, in what you read, how does it apply to your life, and then pray over yourself with that scripture in mind. So that's one way to do it. Um, you can study some specific things like uh, people in the Bible is re really interesting. You can do specific studies on a book or a chapter. Um, Psalms and Proverbs are really good for that kind of thing. There's like 30 or 31 Proverbs. I always forget. Um, so that's like one for every day of the month almost. Um, so that's one really great way to get in there. You can study a theme or a topic all throughout the Bible. That gets really, really interesting. Um, here's some other tips. Praying the scriptures, like I mentioned before, kill two birds with one stone. Read with friends. This is huge for, for making this discipline a part of your life. Buddy up. Find somebody that's going to hold you accountable and help you like, and send you a text every day that says, hey, did you read today? I had a friend in high school do that to me. I started ignoring him. <laughs> I have apologized since then. <laughs> but he was trying really hard to make, make, uh, make an honest man out of me, but I was just not, I wasn't having it. So uh, find a friend that cares enough about you to do that and care enough about them to do that as well and read together. Um, there are all kinds of ways to memorize scripture. Super, super great thing to memorize scripture. Um, just knowing where things are is great, but when you know, I, I just had a meeting with a pastor a couple weeks ago and he blew me away with how much scripture he was just it was just a part of his life to quote scripture. And I love that. And, and that's, he did it way better than I do. Um, but, but making this 
Hide his words in your heart. Write it on, on the tablet of your heart. Like, that's, well, that's a scripture that I'm quoting that it says to quote scripture, to make this a part of your life, know it really well. Um, some other great ways, uh, change your surroundings. This can help in prayer and Bible reading, um, like climb a tree, go for a walk, find a lake. I got a hammock in my backyard that's good for that sometimes. Um, change it up. Also take notes. This has been really helpful for me as I'm reading to take notes about what I'm learning, um, what stands out to me, what what did I notice this time about, you know, Romans 8 that I didn't notice before? Because I've read it a bunch of times, but what stood out to me this time? Um, journaling can be really, really helpful. Taking notes is super great. So again, Bible reading is super important in your relationship with God. Communication, super important. Um, do not feel guilty. If you feel conviction, I hope you do. Take that opportunity to fix it. Take that, use that motivation to make a change and make Bible reading a part of your life because it's super, super important. So we talked about prayer, we've talked about Bible reading, and the third thing I'd like to talk about is friendships, and specifically friendships with other Christ followers, with other church people, with the body of Christ. So there's this quote that I use a lot, I don't know the OG of this quote either, but show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We are impacted by the people around us in a big way. If I like look back and think on the biggest mistakes of my life, the biggest things that I wish that I could change that still haunt me, when I look back on those things, I was never alone in those things. It was always, and not that I should like resolve myself of any you know, responsibility, but there were people around me that were influencing me that led me to that decision that I should not have made. So show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Hebrews uh, is another book, another letter of sorts to Jewish people um, that were following Jesus. And it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We help each other be better. That's what we're doing right now. We are meeting together <laughs> and we are encouraging one another and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, and that's a really big part of uh, spiritual discipline, having Christian friendships. Proverbs uh, is the book of wisdom, they say. Um, so it's like really wise principles that you can apply to your life and learn how to live wisely. Um, so Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fool suffers harm. I've seen this play out in my life and I'm sure that you have too. Walk with the wise and become wise. When you hang out with people who are getting it right, you tend to get it righter. When you are a companion of dummies, you tend to be a dummier. Is that, was that too hard? Sorry. A companion of fools suffers harm. It's real. And, uh, and you probably see that hang out, uh, play out in your life as well. Again, our friends, when we make fr the right friends help us be better, um, and part of that is praying together, reading the Bible together, that can really help you get together with those friends to, um, and you make each other better. Good friends make us better, bad friends make us worse. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. There's some principles, uh, some tips in Christian friendships. Um, let me just say no friends is better than bad. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> did I say better? A little bit. No friends is better than bad friends. And that is hard to actually live out. But no friends is better than bad friends. I have seen people that like, that like should have got it right, but they didn't have any friends. And then the wrong friends came around and they said, finally friends. And it didn't matter that they were bad friends. It didn't matter that they were gonna take them down a bad path. And they went down a bad path. No friends is better than bad friends. 
Um, I think when I talk about Christian friendship, pay friendship like investment. <laughs> so to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. So be the person that says, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Let's talk. Be that person. Do not be the person that says, we haven't talked in a while. We should probably talk. I wish they would talk to me. Be the person. Go out on a limb. Be the person. Pay those friendship dividends. And there's a point where you're always doing it and they're not returning it and, and you can make those calls. But to have good friends, you have to be a good friend first. Be a good friend first. Another tip, go where the Christian friends are. Be at here. <laughs> be at other youth ministries. Be at church. Be at uh, whatever summer Christian camp that you may go to. Go where those people are to develop those friendships. Very, very important. Here's a tip. Not every Christian friend is a good friend. Not every person you meet in church is going to be perfect. Go figure. In fact, not a single person you meet in church will be perfect, so don't look for that. Your Christian friends, even your, your, your most Christ-like friends that are reading the Bible and praying every day will let you down, will hurt your feelings. So, and, and sometimes it's just personalities clash, and, and sometimes we're still growing, just like the other person is still growing. So think about your friendships that way. None of us are perfect. Extend as much grace to your friends as you would like them to extend to you. Can I say, if you are in that no friends camp, no friends is better than bad friends, but keep praying. Keep asking God for a community. If you're in this room, look around because you have found it. So um, this is when you go back to that investment. Be a good friend first. Um, Kiefer is here to be your friend. So find him after service. <laughs> but look around. This is, God has not forgotten you. Keep praying. And this is a room where you can find those people to be your people. You are surrounded by an answer to prayer here. All right, healthy Christian friendships are very important with your relationship with God. Hang out with people that are going to make you better. So we've covered Bible reading, prayer, healthy Christian friendships, and this fourth discipline uh, that we're talking about embracing is evangelism. Now, evangelism is something I've been thinking a lot about and talking with other youth workers about and talking to a lot of you about, um, about what evangelism means. How do we get better at it? What are we doing here? And um, first of all, evangelism just is telling people about Jesus, helping people get closer to Jesus. So um, when we talk about Christian friendships, it's important to remember that you can't have only Christian friends. This is a temptation when I hear Christian friendships preached that I hear in the subtext, only talk to Christian people, only talk to church people. Those are the only people you can trust. Um, now, it is important to monitor the friendships in your life and be careful because you're Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But you cannot close yourself off to everyone but Christians. You just can't do it. Jesus didn't do it, so you can't do it. If you don't talk to anyone that doesn't have Jesus, you're missing a big part of spiritual discipline, the big part of the Christian life, because you can't fulfill what we call the Great Commission. Um, there are some people that recorded the events of Jesus' life, and one of those people recorded Jesus saying this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he says, go and make disciples. Go and, and help people get closer to me. That's what God's saying here. He commanded us to go and make disciples. We all need to have people in our lives that we are trying to bring to Jesus. And that does not necessarily mean we're standing on our lunch tables reciting scripture to the cafeteria, not necessarily doing that, but, but you should have 
a, a burden for people. You should, have, you should care about people around you that don't know Jesus. Because we believe that there is one way to eternal life, and that is through Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you are on your way to eternal death, which is hell, the fire, the things you've heard about in church. That's all very, very real. And the peop- everyone around you is either going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. And you can play a part in people finding Jesus by telling your friends about what he's done for you. Go and make disciples. Now, it's important to remember these people are not your like church projects. They're people you genuinely care about and they're friends that you probably already have, but you may not have thought about them in the light of where are they in their journey with Christ and how can I help them take a step forward? Here are some tips with sharing people, sharing Jesus with the people you know. Um, Get to know people. get to know people. This goes for people that sit next to you in class. I always think of one in particular that talked about selling drugs all the time. He had like, he was like a really stereotypical, like, you know, (laughs) he had like a giant mohawk. He wore a a jean jacket with cut off sleeves. He was so cool. (laughs) But, but, but I always think of like, I did not tell him about Jesus and I could have, and, and maybe I should have those opportunities uh, if those opportunities came up. But be, think about people in that way, whether it's people sitting next to you in class, people you work with, pe- your neighbors are super, super big in this conversation. Um, how do you represent Jesus to the people that you live near? Put yourself in situations where you're going to meet people who aren't Christians. There's another tip to take tiny steps and realize that tiny steps matter. The small things matter. So um, there, I was reading a book that kind of talked about evangelism. It gave these Five, well, I kind of expanded a little bit, but gave some practical steps that you should recognize as steps. Tell your friend that God is a part of your life. That's like, tell your friend you go to church. That's a whole step by itself. And you can look back and say, I've done that. And be like, that is a step. Tell a friend that God is a part of your life. Invite a friend to the Apex pool party, drive in at the pool. (laughs) That is a step I read right out of this book. Just kidding, it wasn't in the book. But invite a friend to a church program. Invite them along with you. The pool party is really easy. Invite them to come to Apex. This is a, a little different because this is a church service where they're going to be encountered by the worship and the word of God rather than just relationships with, with people of God. Tell them how you became a Christ follower. Tell them why you keep God as a part of your life. These are all, how does God impact your life regularly? These are all tiny steps that are really, really important. Invite, and then the, the last step there to, is to invite people to make God a part of their lives. This is not the last step, but the last one I'm talking about. But, but you can have a conversation where you teach people how to make God a part of their lives. And this is another tip. The tool that we use to talk about Jesus with friends is Alive in Five. And uh, you may have seen it on Elizabeth's shirt. They're playing the, the hey, look, there it is on the screen too. Um, it's called Alive in Five, and you've probably seen this diagram around on people's journals and on stickers and pins and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and this is how you read it, five symbols. And so I'm going to give you, I'm not going to talk a lot about it because we're really short on time, but it is five symbols. Each represents a part of the story of God. So we've got God is love. Our sins divide us from God. Jesus came, uh, Jesus paid for our sin. I always say that he came. We know he came. Jesus paid for our sin, then came back to life. We need to decide to put our faith in God. 
and the Holy Spirit will help us live for God. Five steps that help us easily tell the story of Jesus. Buy yourself a wristband or a sticker or a magnet. Put that in your life. A pin um, in the Instagram bio at Apex Harvest. You can go into the link and there's an Alive in Five cheat sheet there. I just used it today. Um, so make sure that you check those things out. Use that tool. It really helps as you communicate the gospel to people, those five steps. The last tip um, is another plug. It's the Fearless Weekend. I, I can't, have I stressed enough how much you need to be there? <laughs> Fearless Weekend. Um, there's some dates and no costs there. But this is a weekend getaway to get ready for the next school year. Those couple days are going to be spent with like encouraging one another to treat your school like a mission field, to treat your school year as a mission field. We're going to be inspired, encouraged, and equipped to see our friends as, as souls that live forever in heaven or hell. These are tools that we need. You need to be there. Um, just 80 bucks is nothing <laughs> for what you're going to get out of this. It's a great price, and it's going to be a really great time. Uh, more info rolling out on that, but you need to be there. I need you at Fearless Weekend. So the stuff we talked about tonight is basic, but it isn't easy. It is basic, but I'm willing to recognize that it isn't easy. They're called spiritual disciplines because they take discipline. They take hard work to carry out. So tonight I'm ending with a challenge to get on the right path in these areas, these four areas. So for prayer, if you don't ever pray, start to pray. Don't feel guilty about it. Feel conviction and start to pray. If you pray occasionally, ramp it up. Take a step toward even a deeper connection in prayer with God. In Bible reading, if you don't ever do it, take a step. Tonight, read a couple Proverbs. Read a, a Psalm or two. Read a chapter of Romans or two. Take a step. If you read spontaneously, I want you to find a plan. Get on a, a schedule where you can regularly read God's Word. Be with a friend. Read with consistency. In your Christian friendships, Take a hard look at the people you spend the most time with. If they're making you better or if they're making you worse and what you have to do to address your friendship groups because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Evaluate where you are with there. With evangelism, think about the last time you told a friend about your walk with God, about you being a Christian. Think about the last time you invited a friend to Apex or to an event. And think about what's stopping you from having those conversations and ask God to give you the boldness to step out. Our small group conversations are going to be about those things. And I'll say one more time, don't feel guilty about it. I want you to feel convicted, but you shouldn't feel guilty. Take this to God and he is saying, let's get better. Let's take a step toward a blessed life. Not just a bunch of rules and, and things you got to do, but take a step toward a blessed life to be consistent, show up before God in faithful, consistent ways. Spiritual disciplines are so, so important. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for this roadmap, this instruction manual to life, this guideline to a blessed life. And uh, because life with you is just better. It just is. And uh, as we dedicate our time to you through Bible reading and through prayer, as we dedicate our relationships to you by maintaining Christian relationships as well as evangelizing people and, and helping people get closer to you, Father, guide us, give us boldness, and help us tonight to not feel the weight of guilt, but to feel the push of conviction. Help us tonight to take a step closer to you, closer to making these spiritual disciplines a part of our lives. We love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this room. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you can get your podcasts. We hope this message has mattered to your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.